Thank you.
Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. So good to see you. Those of you who are joining us online, good morning. We're glad that you're with us. Um, I want to have, again, you know, like a little quick, quick family meeting and a little update um, on Pastor because I know that uh, we love him. And if you guys would continue um, in praying for him and praying for his back, um, it is intense and excruciating um, and some things are not going the way as planned just yet but we also know that there is a purpose behind all of this pain so will you um, this week uh, consider joining with us and being prayerful uh, praying pr prayerful praying for our pastor because we love him and he's in a lot of pain and I'm obviously trying to um, honor him in that but just so that you guys are very aware um, he would be here if he could um, and he thinks about you and he's still even in this crippling pain that he is he will send messages about how he is thinking about each and every one of you and loves you guys so much and wishes that he could be here he will be here soon um, but just be just be praying for him um, in that and we're going to get ready to worship. This uh, this Wednesday, we got to sneak in and hear a little bit. And it, there's something so beautiful about the fact that the teams that were here on Wednesday were already so wrecked by the practice. And we just, um, this morning, I'm extremely expectant um, and humbled and honored for what God's going to do. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what you're needing. But I do know that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is in our midst and he's desperately wanting to meet each and every one of you exactly where you're at. So let's stand. I loved this part. It says in Job 27, 24, 18, it says, listen to this, Job. And sometimes in scripture, I'll put my name in there because I just believe it. So listen to this, Becky. Listen to this, Kayla. Listen to this, Mimi. Stop and consider God's wonders. Do you know how God controls the clouds and makes his lightning flash? Do you know how the clouds hang poised, the, those wonders of him whose perfect knowledge, you who swelter in your own clothes, when the land lies hushed under the south wind, can you join him in spreading out the skies? And I just wonder this morning, when you worship, what would it look like if you partnered with the one? So we're going to prepare our hearts because I believe full-heartedly this morning that God has something planned for you and that we're not going to leave the same. And I'm going to stand here and it can be silent and it can get awkward for some of you. But that's this morning that we are deciding as a church and as a leadership team that we are wanting you to continue to have this connection with heaven. So wherever you're at, Lord, we're going to take a second and prepare our hearts and minds because I know some of us walked in this morning and there was a lot going on. So before we get into worshiping our great king, let's take a second. He's a good dad. Tell him what you need. Even if it's just a check-in, right? Of, hey, sorry, I've treated you like a business association where I clock in and I clock out. He knows. So let's take a second. It's okay if you feel awkward. It's all right. I'll stand in it with you. Father, this morning we come humbled and ready 
Father, I pray if there's anything in us that's keeping us from being able to taste the full goodness of who you are, we ask that you remove it as far as the east is from the west. Holy Spirit, come. Let your presence come. Father, this morning, we refuse to leave the same. So come, Lord, come. Your children are here, and we're waiting, and we're ready. Thanks for being a good dad. Thanks for never leaving us. Thanks for protecting us in this season. And Lord, whatever it is that you're doing, do not leave us behind. And if there's anything in us that, might, that we might be going through that could possibly potentially leave us, bring it to our attention and let us get rid of it in this moment, now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I want you to know that the altars are always open. If you need prayer, come up here. We're going to find you. No worries. And let's get into it. In Jesus' name. darkness we were waiting without hope without light till from heaven you came running there was mercy in your eyes to fulfill the law and prophets to a virgin came the word from a throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt
reveal the kingdom coming and to reconcile the lost to redeem the whole creation you did not despise the cross for even in your suffering you saw to the other side knowing this was our salvation Jesus for our sake you
forgot that you're enough So take me back to where we started I open up my heart to you I just want you I think one of my one of my favorite things about worship is when you know when we think about the you know I just want you isn't it incredible that we have a love that just shines the same thing back that he just wants us as I was listening to you guys sing I just think about man how sweet that is to to a dad right just that constant communication that's overwhelming that he just wants you. In Philippians 4, for those of you who are new with us, we always take a, a quick moment to also uh, worship in a different way in the forms of our giving, as the Bible talks about. Philippians 4, 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I say again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, be prayered and petitioned with thanksgiving. Present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Jesus Christ. And this verse is, is one of the verses when I first started to get serious about my giving. I'm an anxious person. Healed, thank you, Jesus. It likes to creep up. But it's that it's that scripture, and I know that it's, oh, if you've been in church for a minute, you've heard it. But these are things that I had to, I like to also give you practical steps. I had to practically tell myself when I was giving, oh, Lord, all of these things are coming, or I don't know if my job's going to stay, or I don't trust that all of these things are going to work out, but I'm going to be anxious for nothing and come into alignment with wherever you are because ultimately I just want you. So I don't know where you are in your giving. I know a lot of people in this church, they have recently um, ended careers, searching for more, or then are being able to get, uh, being able to stay. And so there's a lot of people in a lot of different places, but I want to encourage you, one of the things that remain the same is Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I always want to be found on his side and doing his work. 
And practically, that looks like us being able to gather. It looks like us being able to meet with people online. This is what our giving does. We are able to stay connected when things so, seem so shaken. So there's four ways to give. We have our mailbox, we have our giving box, our website, and our church app. Also, if you need help installing any of these things um, at the front, at the info desk out there, we're going to be able to help you install those things if you want it right on your phone. Other than that, thank you for those of you who have continued to give and make all of these things possible. We're so grateful. And I'm honored to team up with you. Man, you guys have me messed up today. I'm so grateful to be in the house with you guys because I know there are some people who can't. So let's pray. Jesus, we love you so much. I pray that in this moment, that new life is this sweet fragrance that finds you and that you look down on us today and say, there's my kids. Father, I pray a special protection over those of us who are anxious. May your calm, mighty hand calm us down and we'll be anxious for nothing. In Jesus' name, amen. We're still gonna worship. To worship you, we live. To worship you, we live. We live to worship you.
one of the ways that we build our lives on the foundation of Jesus, one of the ways that we are desperate for Jesus is following him, doing the things that Jesus did, following his example. Amen? So this morning, before Kayla stops, I want you to do two things that we see Jesus do in the scripture, and one is that he gave high praise in simple things. So I want you to go ahead, close your eyes. I want you to think about something that you think highly of. Come on. It doesn't have to be profound. It doesn't have to be marvelous. It doesn't have to be Captain America-esque. Just something that you just think is so awesome or someone that you think is so awesome. Come on. Just in your spirit, why don't you just say, God, I think so-and-so is so amazing. Come on. And the second thing that Jesus did was that he gave thanks. Jesus was constantly generous with his gratitude. What's something or someone that you're grateful for? Maybe you're holding their hand. Go ahead, give them a squeeze for Jesus. Come on. Maybe they're not here with you. Mental note, just send them a text. I'm so grateful for you. Jesus, we want to be like you. Lord, we want to do the things that you did. Jesus, help us to be disciplined in giving high praise. Lord, help us to revert back to gratitude. Lord, when we catch ourselves complaining. Jesus, we thank you. God, we give you high praise for being the first one in a multitude of brothers and sisters that call God Father. Lord, we thank you for making a way for us to the Father. Amen. You can be seated. Good morning. Come on, turn to somebody and say, I'm so thankful for you. It's okay. Gratitude can be a choice, not a feeling. I'm excited to be with you this morning. Uh, followers of Jesus, come on, just wave your hands at me. Come on, if you're a follower of Jesus, just wave your hands at me. If you're a friend, come on, wave your hands. If you're a total stranger, wave your hands. Come on. Facebook, we're looking at you, those little emoji hands, we're looking for those. Um, if you would open up your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 11, 1 Corinthians 11, we're in a series called Supper Time, Who Likes to Eat? In a church full of Americans, I thought I would get a little bit more, okay, do we have anybody here who likes to eat? Come on. There we go. What is, what? Why don't you just think about your favorite meal? Like, not, not like your, like, favorite meal that your mom or your, your, your spouse makes for you, but, like, 
your favorite meal ever, the place, the time, the people that you were with, the things that you ate. Come on, close your eyes. Let's just do like just kind of some fun memory work, okay? Just think about what was like that, that, that maybe it was a, a holiday, maybe it was a birthday, maybe it was this morning because you're just like a, you know, in the moment kind of a person, just live in the present. Come on, do you guys have like a favorite meal? Come on, raise your hand if you just pictured a beautiful place. Come on, we got a few people. I think, I think that, you know, d depending as you move through life, there are different seasons where things become more important, right? Things that you look back and you're like, oh, I cherish that moment when my house was quiet. <laughs> I think probably right now, um, my favorite meal ever was several years ago, my wife for my birthday did not throw me a party. Can I get an amen from all the introverts? How many introverts here have ever had a surprise party thrown for you and you smiled like a good person? Come on. My wife loves me the way that I love to be loved. And so she didn't throw me a party. Instead, we just went out and we just sat by ourselves with people we didn't know. And it was awesome. And we didn't talk to them. And we shared a meal, and it was delicious. It was amazing. Come on. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Right? Not a meal for somebody else. Not a meal, you know, for maybe somebody that you love, but like a meal for you that you just enjoyed thoroughly. Anybody? You guys picturing this with me? Awesome. Well, we are in a series called Supper Time. And if there was ever a good time to start following Jesus, it's now. Okay? Because we're about eating and drinking. Amen? Amen? <laughs> Um, come on, you can't be upset at a faith that tells you eat and drink and be happy. Seems like a place I want to be. Yeah, these are my people, right? Well, we are inviting you to not just eat and drink like, you know, Food Network style or just gorge yourself, but we're actually talking about intentionally eating and drinking with the most important people in your world for the one and only reason and that is that we see our rabbi, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, eating and drinking consistently over and over and over and over and over again with the most important people in his life. And we want to be like our rabbi. Amen? So uh, we've been, I think this is, is this week three? Are we in week three now? Okay. Who here has eaten with your whole family since we started? Come on, we got a couple people. This is awesome. Has it been good? Yeah? Mixed results? Yeah? It's, it's totally fine. Totally fine. Well, we are we're going through, um, last week we talked about tonight's supper. This week we're going to be talking about the Last Supper. Has anybody ever seen a picture of the Last Supper? Yeah? Has anybody since my comment last week looked at a picture of the Last Supper and thought, it is weird. It is a weird painting. Okay? Well... We're going to start in 1 Corinthians where we ended last week, and then we're going to move into the Lord's last meal with his favorite people before he is crucified. So 1 Corinthians 11, we're going to start in verse 23. Um, this is the Apostle Paul who is talking to a group of Christ followers in a town called Corinth. He says, for I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself on the night when he was betrayed... 
the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for, come on, do this to remember me. In the same way, he took a cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. And the reason why we're starting here is because through whatever reason, cultural shifts and different things, that communion, which is what the Apostle Paul is describing, most of us know that word communion, right, has been kind of efficiently and practically put down into kind of a wheat thin and a shot glass of juice, okay? But they're actually talking about like having a whole meal together, and Paul is referencing in here, he says this, he says, or I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself on the night when he was betrayed. So Paul is saying there is a picture, this is this thing, this culture, this tradition that we do that actually comes from an actual story with actual people in a, an actual time and place. He's referencing what we know to be the Last Supper. And he's saying, there's a reason why we do this. And we went through some of that stuff. Hopefully, you went through that with some of your family last week about what it means to remember and announce the Lord's death. But I want to go back and actually read that scene from Matthew. It's in Matthew 26. If you got your Bibles, you got your phones, you can click there. Um, Matthew 26, we're actually going to read the story of the Last Supper. And, and then at the end of this, we're going to kind of go through a guide for you to spiritually lead your family to talk about the Last Supper. So it's not just a little wheat thin and a shot glass, but it's something that has significance. Not just because we're into rituals or traditions, but because it actually points us to our rabbi, Jesus. We don't want to just be Christians for the sake of being Christians. We don't want to look like the people that we spend time with. We actually want to look like the person that we claim to follow. Amen? So, here we go. Matthew 26, verse 17. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, which I'm just going to stop there. Why do we only party for one day in this culture? Like, Let's be like our rabbi and have multi-day parties, okay? I just, it just struck me, man, our parties are anemic compared to Jesus, okay? On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, where do you want us to prepare the Passover meal for you? To which I want to say, God, make my children like your disciples, wouldn't it be amazing if our kids came to us and were like, Mom, Dad, where would you like us to prepare dinner? In the kitchen. In the kitchen. And what would you like us to prepare, Mom, Dad, for our multi-day party? It, it was a shock to me when I found out that the only reason why Christmas was awesome when I was a kid was because my mom didn't sleep for like 72 hours. Thanksgiving is less fun now. 
I used to get handed clothes to put on, food to eat in the morning, and I was told to get in the van, which for some reason I couldn't do, right? Like on the first, why can't kids just get in the car? <laughs> Things we will find out on the other side of heaven. And then someone else drove us all the way to grandma and grandpa's house. Somebody else paid for the car. Somebody else paid for the gas. Somebody else put up with, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? I walked into a house that I didn't build or pay for. I was greeted by just an amazing grandma and just smells of abundance. And that just doesn't happen anymore. I have to buy the food. I have to pay for the house we eat it in. I have to buy the clothes they have to wear that they don't want to wear on this day of gratitude. I think that we've digressed. Where do you want us to prepare the Passover meal for you? And Jesus answers in verse 18. As you go into the city, he told them, you will see a certain man. Tell him, the teacher says, my time has come and I will eat the Passover meal with you, uh, meal with my disciples at your house. Again, and I've said this over and over and over again, but our rabbi is the coolest. He is constantly eating other people's food. He is constantly inviting himself to other people's houses. To make a mess in their house. Let us be more like Jesus. Someone actually sent me a screenshot last week of someone who said, I saw Angelo's message, I'm coming over for dinner. And I said, hallelujah. I am so excited that this is a trend that is catching on. So, mental note, if you don't want to make dinner tonight, Text someone right now that you're coming over for dinner with all your kids and all of their eating preferences. Okay. So the disciples did as Jesus told them and prepared the Passover meal there. When it was evening, Jesus sat down at the table with the 12 disciples. While they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. Not exactly like, you know... Beats rabbi stuff. Like, hey, one of you is a loser and a backstabbing weasel. Uh, okay. Let's just keep eating. And so then it goes on. He says, um, greatly dis distressed, each one asked in turn, am I the one Lord that is a backstabbing weasel? 23, he replies, one of you who has just eaten from this bowl with me will betray me. Which isn't super clear, because everyone is dished up lasagna. Everyone has lasagna on their plate. So everyone who just took out of the lasagna pan, one of you will, will betray me. It's not super clear, because we're all here, and we've all eaten, right? One of you who has just eaten from this bowl with me will betray me. For the Son of Man must die, as the Scriptures declared long ago. But how terrible it will be for the one who betrays him. It would be far better for that man if he had never been born. Exclamation point. Judas, the little rascal, the one who would betray him, also asked, Rabbi, am I the one? 
To which, let's just go back a few verses to verse 14, when Judas Iscariot, one of the 12 disciples, went to the leading priest and asked, how much will you pay me to betray Jesus to you? And they gave him 30 pieces of silver. From that time on, Judas began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. Rabbi, am I the one? Let's go back to the surprise birthday party. You love your spouse. They're an introvert. You know they're an introvert, but you're going to plan them a surprise birthday party anyways because that's the kind of person that you are. And so you start plotting and scheming and, dare I say, lying. And you start looking at holes in the calendar and you start looking at places where they won't suspect that you fit in 25 people they don't want to talk to into your house. How many people have ever done this before? Yes. You've sent text messages to people plotting and scheming and then deleted those text messages just in case. Judas has been looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. It's not like he was like, oh, yeah, when I get around to it. Like, oh, yeah, you know, it's on the list of things to do, but when I get to it, right? Judas is actively looking for ways to betray Jesus. Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me. And Jesus, uh, Judas, like, pulls up his text messages, and he's like, yeah, that's probably me, but maybe I should just ask Jesus if it's me. And Jesus told him, you have said it. What I don't understand is why is not, why, why doesn't Peter lop off Judas's ear? Like, do you guys know what I'm talking about? Like, Peter and, and, and James and John, I mean, sons of thunder, like, they're sitting at the table. It's not abundantly clear, apparently, to everyone. Jesus and Judas are having an intimate conversation that everyone is kind of privy to, but it's really just happening between them. Am I the only person who wonders about this stuff? Like, and then Matthew just skips on by. Matthew obviously heard it. He's telling us the story that it happened. Why doesn't Matthew do anything? Well, because Matthew is professionally an accountant, and they usually don't have swords. That's why. Verse 26, and this is where we're going to really kind of dial in. As they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to his disciples saying, take this and eat it for this is my body. Can you just say, Jesus blessed it. Okay, let's do it one more time. Jesus blessed it. Okay, what did he bless? The bread, okay. Verse 27, and he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. Come on, say, gave thanks to God for it. Just one more time. And what did he give thanks for? Oh, that, the, we could do better than that. What did he give thanks for? As he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it, he gave it to them and said, each of you, Drink from it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. 
to forgive the sins of many. I want to hone in on something that just piques my interest. And I hope that it piques your interest. Jesus does two different things for the two different things that we take during communion. Traditionally, the bread and the wine, right? Jesus blesses the bread, and then he gives thanks for the wine. Isn't that interesting? Right? Anybody, you have multiple children, and one of them is your favorite, and the other one you give, you know, lesser compliments to? No, you would never do that. You're my favorite. <laughs> Jesus blesses the bread, which in the Greek, that word is actually the same word that we use for eulogy. Think about a eulogy. Somebody has died. What do we say about that person? All their garbage? No. No. We we come up and we give high praise, right? Jesus comes and he, he takes the bread and he gives high praise. He praises the bread, which represents what? His body. And then we, they eat the bread and then he gives thanks for the cup, which represents what? His blood that seals the new covenant. Isn't that interesting? That our Lord and Savior, our rabbi, was giving high praise to something ordinary. Is it possible that God has put ordinary things in your life and my life, and we just skip right by it, and we just keep going, and God is like, hello, there's something amazing here that I put in your life. Slow down. Give high praise for it. We have spiritual gifts. We have things that we think are so spiritual. We have things that we just absolutely, we in our minds, we say, wow, it's incredible. That's amazing. If only I could do that. If only I had that gift. If only. And yet, you and I were each created completely unique. And Jesus says that we are part of his body. Worthy of high praise. And then he comes over and he says, God, thank you so much. Thank you so much for the blood. Thank you so much for this cup that seals this. That forgives this. This is my blood which confirms the covenant between God and his people. That is an agreement. God made an agreement for you. God made an agreement for me. God said, wow, absolutely, I am going to make some promises and some vows. And it says this, in the covenant between God and his people, it is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Ah, the sins of many, but not me. The sins of many, but not me. Maybe you've heard this before. Maybe you haven't. 
that most of the time, the way that we see God is the same way that we experienced our parents. If you had a dad or a mom that was constantly um, supporting you and providing for you and you never had lack, then it's very, very likely that that is how you see God. That God has more than enough for you. That God has more than enough for you and the person next to you. That God is full of things. But what if, what if you grew up in a house where there wasn't enough? What if you grew up in a house where if you didn't eat immediately, you didn't eat because somebody else at the table would eat your food? Right? Anybody? And maybe there wasn't enough to go around. And maybe, just maybe, you and I, maybe we just see God a little bit differently. And we think, yeah, God has goodness. God has high praise. God has a covenant. God has blood for us. But, but that's for the other people who deserve it more. For the forgiveness of many. Are you the person that waits at the end of the line to get cake? Are you the person who jumps up at the beginning and you're going to get some before it's all gone? Are you the person who doesn't really like cake because you're saved and you know that pie is better? <laughs> Come on. When sometimes... And we think that everybody thinks the same way that we do, but it has come to my attention that that is not true. That we all see things a little bit differently. And when we hear an ambiguous, vague term like the forgiveness of many, we think everybody else except me. Some of us. So, let's clear that up. In Romans 10, who is Jesus forgiving? Who does the cup apply to? Who is worthy of high praise? Who is Jesus talking about when he's talking about his body? Who? Romans 10 says this, dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. Anybody here a person of Israel? Anybody Jewish? Not a single one. I'm so surprised here in this little corner of the world. Huh. Well, I guess we're all hosed. But thankfully, the Apostle Paul goes on. Verse 2, I know what enthusiasm they have for God. That is the Jewish people, the Hebrews. But it is misdirected zeal, for they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. Which is what communion is. Communion. Taking, giving thanks, high praise for Jesus' body. Announcing the Lord's death until he comes, the new covenant that Jesus did. All those things that we declare when we sit and intentionally eat and drink with each other. We are celebrating God's way of making people right with himself. And he goes on about the Israelites. Refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. For Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given as a result all who believe in him are made right with God. It gets better, Elsie. It gets better. For Moses writes that the law's way of making a person right with God requires obedience. How many people struggle with obeying? 
It's not us, it's our children. Amen? Okay. And sadly, it's also God's children that struggle with obeying. Okay. Requires obedience to all of its commands. Verse 6. But faith's way of getting right with God says, and I just love, I'm going to pause here for a second. We're going to skip a couple of verses by quoting the Apostle Peter who said, the brother Apostle Paul is a little confusing sometimes. And this is one of those times. Okay. So we're just going to get rid of the double negatives that Paul throws in here. And we're just going to go right to the chase. Okay. Um, but faith's way of getting right with God says, skip down to the little section that says, the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart. Faith's way of getting right with God is very close. It is on your lips and it is on your heart, which is where we get the sinner's prayer. Anybody ever heard of that before? Anybody ever prayed the sinner's prayer before? Right? Sounds something very similar to Jesus, we thank you so much that you are the Lord and Savior, that you died on the cross for my sins, and I am believing in you to save me. Something like that. Right? Ironically, none of Jesus' disciples are recorded praying that prayer. Hmm. Go ahead. Even if you don't have a beard, just stroke it. Hmm. Hmm. This is very interesting. Because we're trying to be followers of Jesus, correct? Right? So, what did Paul mean by this? The message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. As the scripture tells us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Come on. Never be disgraced. Let's eat some bread and drink some wine. Come on. They will never be disgraced. As the scripture tells us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Come on. The problem in the culture that you and I live on in is that we take that word believe the same way that we believe 2 plus 2 is 4. We don't take that word believe the same way that it was written and understood in the New Testament. The way that the word believe in, in this context is I believe that I have a job so I show up on Monday. Come on. I believe that this ring is a token of the vows said between us and that I'm not going to be intimate with another woman. This word believe is the same word that says I believe that if I don't pay my mortgage, they will take my house. 
Are you guys with me? This is not a test. This is not, this is not little notations on a piece of paper. This is not an A+. Plus. This is not a B-. minus. This is not a C. I just took some fake placement tests. Yikes. Math is hard. Math is hard. <laughs> this word believe says, Roger, I, I confess that Jesus is the Lord of my life, and you can look at my life, and you can tell that I believe that because I'm actually doing the things that our rabbi, our Lord and Savior, told us to do, not because that's how I get into heaven, but because I want to be like him. All you have to do is want to be like him. All you have to do is keep showing up the same way that you're showing up at your marriage, the same way that you're showing up at work, the same way that you show up for your kids, the same way. It was never intended, just like communion, being relegated to a wheat thin and a shot glass of juice. That word believe was never supposed to be relegated to a quick, pithy, 30-second Prayer, bam, going to heaven, booyah. <laughs> Looks more like your marriage where you mess up. And then you come back and you're faithful again. You miss a payment on your mortgage and you call them and you tell them, you know what, I'm sorry. Here's, I'm going to pay. I'm going to pay. I'm going to make it right. We show up. It is not a pass or fail situation. It is a show up and have a relationship situation. Amen? Speaking of situations where you show up and you have a relationship, can we put up those um, study guides for tonight? Hopefully you guys are having supper tonight. Um, if you're fasting, I'm sorry for the spiritual leadership of your household. Because Jesus invites us to supper time, okay? Um, tonight's supper time, let's go to the second one. Um, this one is geared towards the Last Supper. Uh, make dinner something. Ooh, yes. Wait, hold on, who said that? Was that you, April? No? Somebody. Hmm, interesting. Get their number, babe. We're going to their house. Okay. Dinner means a lot of things to a lot of different people. Invite people who live with you to have dinner with you. Um, and I do want to say this. If you don't live with anybody um, or anybody that wants to eat with you, and I'm being as compassionate as I can be in this situation. We all were just laughing, but this is serious. Okay. Um, you really don't have anyone to uh, eat with. Invite some people over or invite yourself to somebody's house. Jesus did it all the time. Make a simple meal that your people will enjoy. Let's read that together. Make a simple meal that your people will enjoy. Okay? Food your people will enjoy. Invite your people, no matter how old or young they are, to help you decide what to make and to help you make it. Okay? Food that's easy and simple to make. Um, we suggest having a special drink. <clears throat> Great beverages. And a loaf of bread. And butter, obviously, because we're Americans. Gather with people closest to you, preferably those living with you. Um, make conversation curious and compassionate. 
Come on. Curious and compassionate. The Last Supper is famous as Jesus' last meal with his people before he died. Read it in the Apostle Matthew's version of that evening. Try to imagine it like a scene from a movie. Less like somebody getting up and preaching at you. Jesus says and does a few things that should having you ask a few questions. And we've got some questions in there. Um, does your family have any celebrations that last longer than a day? If they do, you're awesome. What stands out to you in this story? Why does Jesus bless the bread but gives thanks for the cup? If Jesus was making a new covenant, what was it and what was the old one? We're going to talk about that next week. Who are the many? Jesus said his blood is poured out for, for the forgiveness of sins. And then make connections, the third one over here, um, take it slow. The goal for these dinners is to share the love of Jesus Christ, to be like our rabbi. Be gracious to the humans beside you, speak high praises to them, smile at them on purpose. Be grateful for the food and company you have. God is doing something amazing at your table. And there's, there's more in there, uh, more questions just for you to just help you, you know, get through the dinner if you don't normally have dinner with your family and you're just like, is this over yet? Can we leave? Um, God is doing something amazing at your table. I want to remind you that God is doing something amazing at your table. He is doing something special in your spiritual life. He is doing something amazing in your children's life. God is, is molding and shaping you because you don't want to invite yourself over for dinner, but Jesus said, let's do it. And so you're breaking out of this mold, and God is creating something amazing in you. God is doing something special. And you, th you think, Angelo, but it's not, it's not praise and worship music, and it's not, you know, a teaching. Or, you know, it's not like a big, huge aha moment. Our God is big enough to take simple things and do profound things with them. Amen? God can use eating and drinking to radically change your life. Amen? Let me pray for you, and then let's get out of here and start making some food. Amen? Here we go. Lord, encourage us. Lord, encourage us. Lord, encourage us to find high praise in simple things. Lord, encourage us to say thank you to you who gives every good and perfect gift. We are so grateful for your body. We are so grateful for your blood. Help us spiritually grow as we eat and drink with the most important people in our lives. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Church, you guys are awesome. Have a wonderful Sunday.